Hello and welcome to Escape with me, Simon Calder. This is the podcast that takes you to the four corners of the world with the help of an expert travel guide. And today with me in the studio is Georgina D, Head of Travel Publishing at Guidebook Publisher DKI Witness. Hello, Georgina. Hello. Well, later on, you will be conducting a masterclass on cultural tourism in the UK with kids. Crikey, ambitious. Um, One of our joint favourite cities, Lisbon, is our 48 hours destination. And I want to bring you the scams associated with the new New Zealand e-visa. But let's start with a talking point, which I dare say you may have one or two things to uh, say about. Um, Over the August bank holiday, the government announced all major UK airports must have the latest high-tech scanners to allow us to leave liquids and laptops in our bags. That won't actually be happening until the 1st of December 2022, which gives us plenty of time to talk about how airport security could and perhaps should change. Just to put you in the picture, if you've not been following the, the story, um, there are new, very sophisticated pieces of kit called uh, computed tomography scanners. They're the same as if you go to a hospital and uh, you go through a scan, same technology. They allow the people who are doing the screening to look much more closely at what's in your bag and to turn it round, to zoom in and so on, and also to evaluate whether any of the contents, such as a laptop battery, or liquids presents any kind of threat. Now, the advantage is, of course, that uh, you don't need to take out your liquids and um, uh, your laptop as you do at the moment, but there's many, many steps between now and then. Um, So, Georgina, how do you feel about airport security? Best part of the journey? Oh, yes, of course. Um, I think it's one of those things that you you have to go through. Um, I think we all want to be safe. We all want to be quick as well. Um, so, I mean, you know, it is a pain having to take your liquids out. Um, so it's kind of interesting. I don't know. What, what about you? I mean, you travel well, all the time. I, I must declare an interest. This is a, a subject <laughs> of which I know a certain amount since I used to frisk people at Gatwick Airport. This oh, was as a, um, a, as a job, not a hobby, I stress. <laughs> um, but in those days, and we're talking not necessarily um, very recently, uh, it was uh, an interesting um, thing because it was just as airport security is now built up in response to various threats and disasters. So at the time, the main thing was people would bring a gun on board and they would hijack the plane and customarily try and take it to Cuba. Um, And therefore, the main thing was, have you got a gun? No, you haven't. Then gradually over the years, more and more layers, of course, after the terrible events of 9-11, it was blades that were um, forbidden. Because bear in mind that the hijackers on that terrible day in September 2001 actually passed through the security checks perfectly, as it were, lawfully. And so that was added. Then we had the liquid bomb plot in August 2006. And that's why you have to sort out all your toiletries and potions and lotions and everything else before you get on the plane. Um, But it is always a matter of box ticking. And all this new technology will do will enable the Uh, security staff to tick those boxes more quickly. And I just wonder whether 
there's actually a case for just thinking, well, yeah, this has sort of kept us safe, um, although very sadly there have been, particularly in the developing world, some some hijacks still. Um, but maybe, maybe we need to be more sophisticated and do what uh, move to a, something more like the Israeli system where you're actually um, profiled. They will have a look at you and they'll say, well, here's a fine, upstanding member of the community. They'll look at me and think, well, hang on, he's been to some odd places. He's got uh, dodgy stamps in his passport. He tends to book his flights late and uh, have all kinds of... Um, uh, yeah, he's travelling on his own. He's clearly a um, a threat. Let's let's talk to him a little more carefully. Would you Would you agree with that um i think what you've described so far about where we are is a as you say is a reactive way of dealing with it and i suppose it's trying to work out what a proactive way of dealing with it might be um it's hard though profiling i suppose is one of those things always controversial around how do you decide what the profile is that you're that you're focusing on but maybe it's worth thinking about something proactive like you say rather than reactive um, well, I've certainly seen some kind of very awful and rudimentary profiling in action. This was immediately after the Lockerbie disaster in 1988. I was at an airport in Germany, Frankfurt, and um, the uh, two people were taken off the aircraft, frankly, because they looked Middle Eastern. Yeah, wow. And uh, I, I assume they were put on the next flight, but um, you know, there was a great deal of... Uh, kerfuffle and it seemed simply to be people didn't like the idea of traveling on a plane with people um, of Middle Eastern appearance and the big fear is that if you allow profiling then it is people who uh, match that sort of description who will be absolutely top of the list rather than just looking at people's behavior and um, I, I, there are certainly people in the aviation security business who think that actually Here's a really good way to do it. Let's randomise security. So some flights, you just go along and they just say, oh, you don't need to check your bag. No, it's fine. On you get. Other flights, they would frisk you and search all your belongings to within an inch of your life. And because you wouldn't ever know what was going to happen, which, yeah, which you that, were gonna be. that would be kind of more unsettling for people who intend to do us harm. But I think day to day, the big problem is that if you say, and I've already had people since this announcement was made uh, at the end of August, getting in touch with me saying, great, um, I don't need to sort out my, I can take a litre of whiskey if I want to in my bag. No, you can't. It's not happening until 2022. And then it's only going to happen at some airports. And just because you can do it when you're flying out of Heathrow or Gatwick or Manchester, doesn't mean you'll be able to do it when you're flying back in. So again, it's, it's just horrible, horrible confusion. Can we talk about happier things when you actually get to your destination? Um, we talked about uh, uh, city break slot and your top of your list was Lisbon. Yes. Um, when were you last there? Uh, I was in Lisbon in May and we uh, we did all the classic things of wandering around. So I, what I love is wandering around city and soaking up the atmosphere um, and um, making sure that we... Um, we did a couple of touristy things, um, and I really loved the uh, the street lifts. I think they're just so stunning. My husband's slightly obsessed with uh, Victorian ironwork. Um, wow, what an interesting obsession. They, they could be much worse. Well, yes, yeah. exactly. Crikey. Uh, I know. Um, my poor children, yeah, know to shout out, ironwork, daddy. Um, <laughs> and um, so that was really fun. And, uh, no, it was great. Um, when, did, when were you last there? I was there, oh, I think about six months earlier, 
Um, and I love the place, but it just seems to be too, getting too popular for its own good. Yeah, I know. It's, it's like a lot of places, I suppose. It's quite... It wasn't too bad when we were there, I have to say. I expected it to be worse. Um, we did go during the week. Um, so I said weekend break, but it wasn't. We went during the week. I don't know if that made a difference. Uh, probably. And yeah. I was there during when one of the huge Cunard cruise ships was in town. Yes, which... So. Yeah, that uh, makes a difference. Uh, it certainly does. Right, how did you get there? Uh, presumably not on a cruise ship. Not on a cruise ship, no. Um, no, we flew. Um, and, um, yep, yeah, from Heathrow. And Ooh, it was, posh. Well, as well yeah. as British Airways, or was it TAP? Yeah, no, it's British Airways. British Airways, um, well, TAP will get you there. And, of course, EasyJet and yeah. Ryanair from Gatwick and uh, Stansted, respectively. I, I just love the airport and the fact that it's almost in the middle of the town. I mean, it's awful if you happen to live near the airport, but it's great if all you want to do is head downtown. Yes, absolutely. And, we yeah, we wandered uh, from the airport and it was all easy. Actually, the one thing that I thought was really, also really handy was the um, underground. Yes. Um, we... Uh, we just used that the whole time. It was great. It was oh, well, you, we're going to have to argue about that. Of Go course. Why on earth when you're in a beautiful city like um, uh, like Lisbon and um, in a future podcast, I'll be talking to uh, Paul Goldstein about uh, Barcelona. Similar thing where you've got, a, yes, there is an underground, but the network is a bit weird. It doesn't actually go really? exactly where you want to go. Okay. Um, and furthermore, why would you be beneath the surface when there's so much amazing stuff to see on the surface? But well, as I said, it was raining. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Um, no, uh, well, um, we did both. I mean, we wandered around and obviously saw everything on on the surface. Um, I just thought it was very convenient and pretty useful. Good. Um, I, I would recommend the Aero Bus to get you into the uh, city centre pretty quick. Although, um, did you find this on the way out? Uh, I know we were talking about the city and we'll get onto that in a minute. On the way out, the security, the queues, the walks, getting out was just unbelievable. Yeah, it was difficult. I started off with what I thought was plenty of time. I ended up sprinting to the gate. Oh, no. But luckily the flight was late, as, um, <laughs> as it tends to be. Um, th there's two terminals, of course. One is the traditional legacy terminal for British Airways TAP, and the other one is a big shed for EasyJet and Ryanair. And I must say the big shed works slightly better. Where did you stay? We stayed um, in a... I can't remember the name of it, it's not very helpful, um, but a little place uh, in the centre of the town, which was really beautiful. In um, the Baisha, that's yeah, the area. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Okay. Oh, a beautiful place. Yeah, right, was, right, we right. managed to find it quite last minute, we were lucky. Oh, good, I, I went and found one and um, in, in the process of finding it got mugged, but that's oh, a no. story, but it's all right. I mean, uh, yeah, not. I was going to say not badly, they only took my phone. But they then made quite a lot of calls on it. Could have been, could have been worse. Um, now, shopping. The only shopping I think is worth doing is going to the Alfama, uh, Alfama Flea Market, which is on the kind of opposite side, this wonderful Moorish area, which is just a warren of streets and everybody comes out on a Saturday and just puts all their uh, stuff on sale. It is the ultimate flea market. Did you manage to get there? No, it wasn't on the days that we were there because we were there during the week. But um, yeah, it looked great. Did you do any shopping at all? Yeah, we went. I didn't really want to focus on shopping too much because um, we were. Well, it's ironwork, for goodness sake. Well, exactly. There's ironwork yeah. to see. Why would you be in a shop? Um, and uh, so, yeah, we, we just sort of wandered around and did a bit of window shopping rather than actual shopping. Okay. Um, now, you've got to eat and drink. And I just wondered, did you manage to get to the Café Brasileira? This is the really antiquated one, Rua Garrett 120. Um, it's a very uh, handsome café. It looks as though it's been around forever. Um, lots of tobacco-stained woodwork, lots of faded mirrors. Um, 
very convivial. And furthermore, when I went there, the price of a coffee had declined from a euro to 70 cents, which um, these difficult days, if you're if you're stuck with sterling, is a good thing. Um, uh, and furthermore, I then obviously trying to save a bit more money, wandered off and found a place called Anthony's Place, cheapest bar, I think, in, a, in any Western European capital. Um, no sign, so you just need to ask for Anthony's Place. And then the wine, where you get a good tumbler for 55 cents. So I claim that you can get two very generous drinks for under a pound in a bar in Western Europe. Uh, well, at the top of one of your husband's lifts, of course, um, the Santo Justa lift, I think. There is a wonderful bar at the yes. top where you just... Yeah. Yes, we did have a beer in that wonderful bar. Thank you. And yeah. admired the ironwork. And yes. maybe even the Maybe scenery. even the view, yeah. Yeah. Well, talking, talking of sights, what, was, was there a great sight that you saw? Um, well, I think, uh, as I said, it was wandering around. We, I mean, it's not really a sight. We did really enjoy the food at the Time Out Market, which um, is not potentially what you're talking about but um i really enjoyed going and having a look at how people you know the people sort of go on what are you can No, the time out market this is an odd odd market which is which is across on the other side of the city from the alfama market um and it's got an odd name because it sounds like a london listings magazine well, I know because it's essentially uh, sort of run and sponsored by Time Out, the yes. London's listing museum, uh, museum magazine. Um, and but it's a, it's a sort of crazy place. I mean, it's it's slightly overwhelming because it's very loud, and um, there is every manner of food that you can imagine. Um, some some delicious, and uh, you kind of have to just basically fight for a seat. Yeah, but that's kind of part of the uh, experience. I think it was it was uh, yeah, it was really good. Good. Um, and, and then in terms of uh, the uh, big museums and galleries, you are a cultured person. Um, was, was there anything that stuck out? I've never never found anywhere in, in Lisbon where I just thought, oh, this is wonderful, I must return here time and again. Yeah, I think um, we did go to the uh, military museum um, and uh, actually it was really... Because it was it was actually quite empty, probably because not many people go there. But um, we really enjoyed it. It was kind of just giving us like a different a different view of the history. Um, so we enjoyed that. Probably some artwork as well. Um, and for a surprise, now I was going to say the Port Wine Institute in this wonderful old, I think, eighteenth century mansion, uh, a great place to go. But then um, uh, before the recording, I um, checked and it had closed down oh, completely. No. So I won't do that. I will suggest the trip out to Sintra. I'm mm. not sure if you made it. We Takes didn't have about time. Yeah. 25 minutes, half an hour on the train, an absolutely beautiful uh, collection of palaces in wonderful wooded hills and uh, a gorgeous place to go, particularly I think if you've had a couple of days and you've got a bit more time to, to spare, well worth, well worth heading out there. And if you want to go a bit further, you can get to the very western edge of continental Europe as well. So, that's Lisbon. Let's switch now, if we may, to the Travel Masterclass, where I'm in awe, Georgina, of you being able to talk to us about cultural tourism in the UK with kids. What are your qualifications? <laughs> well, you've made it sound very, uh, very highfalutin. Um, my qualifications, I suppose, are my children. Right. Um, and what, and what, what make are they and how old? What make are? They're two boys. Uh, right. a, you're frowning even more. Age, <laughs> ten, age 10 and 8. Right. Um, oh, it's not sounding good so far. Um, <laughs> I know. Maybe I've, I've oversold it. Um, no, really, it's just about taking them 
what, what I try and do is make sure that they have a I have a, I have a strong view that things like art uh, can change the world and I want them to to enjoy it and care my eldest is really into art and really loves it oh how um, did you do that I don't know I, I can't no. pretend it's anything anything great that I've done um and so uh we don't do that we don't go I wouldn't you know, they do play football every single Saturday, so I can't pretend that that's, this is all we do. But I, I really enjoy taking them um, to places like, yeah, I mean, stately homes again. But, I mean, we recently went to um, Blenheim Castle. Um, Ble- Blenheim Palace? Blenheim Palace, I mean, yeah, sorry. In Oxford, yeah. Yeah, which um, uh, I have to say, that because they're sort of interested in what happened in the war, interested in Winston Churchill, so that kind of side of it they really loved. And actually, what was really great was they had... Um, uh, uh, audio book uh, audio guide sorry and um my i was really impressed with my eldest he listened to the entire thing probably an hour and a half possibly. really yeah. and, when, and this was just a this was just the adult version it wasn't a special no no, no it was the adult right, version crikey. which he loved um i will admit my eight-year-old probably did about half an hour and then we sped round. um but what I like to do is make sure that they have, you know, they sort of enjoy that bit, which they do, and to talk to them about what they might see. And um, and then uh, and then we went to the maze. Then they had ice cream, yes. had pizza, all of the all of the classics. Um, um, but they really loved it. And also, um, it's always helpful if there's a train. They love going on the train. Ah, okay. Well, that, that's that's interesting. In a future podcast, we'll be talking about the best way to explore a region, and that that may well come up again. Uh, Do you not so, believe me? Is that what it is? <laughs> no, no, no. I, I mean, I believe that you should probably be doing a masterclass on how to bring up kids well. So that Because I always imagine that when kids hear the word museum or gallery or indeed culture or heritage, they will reach immediately for their smartphone. Oh, well, see, I don't use those words. I don't describe it in that way. Right. And they don't have a phone yet. So maybe maybe it's all going to come crashing down. No, it sounds down like on me good, when they have a phone. Good start. So who, who, in your experience, does cultural tourism for kids well? Well, I don't know if you would count this as cultural, but I think also the National Trust, I think, are amazing. And they they do... Um, so, you know, we we, ha- we are uh, sort of firmly in our middle age and have a National Trust um, <laughs> <laughs> membership, which uh, was that moment. Um, and um, I think that they, they, they cater for kids really well. Um, and for me, it's not like I wouldn't spend all day doing something... Uh, that's, uh, you know, like going around a stately home. However, if it's an hour in the day and then we're, you know, in the rolling hills of somewhere in the National Trust, then um, then the kids are happy they've had a run around. Um, so, yeah. And, and where, where would you say is room for improvement? Because uh, there's still quite a lot of, re- of museums that I go to and stately homes where... It, you, it sort of still still seems very fusty, and you know you you are here to be instructed, not to not to have a good tourism experience. Yes, I would agree. I think in a weird way, having the kids there maybe makes it less that because mm. you have to be really you know there's no way that we you see everything. You have to be focused on what you're going to see, and so that it, they still are interested in it. Um, and I think so. In a way, you're kind of in and out, and that that gets rid of that a little bit. I think. Again, uh, whether you'd call this cultural, but um, I would. The Science Museum in London, I think, is amazing, um, and I think that 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 some of these institutions could learn a lot from that. Ooh, okay. Well, can I be a tiny be- bit controversial yeah, of course. and say, well, the trouble with the Science Museum is that it's great, but it's just too popular. Um, yes, I agree And with that. should we actually go back to the kind of 20th century idea of charting yeah. for museums? Well, oh, it's so hard. I mean, if you go to any other European country, something like the Science Museum, it would, be, it would cost 15 euros to get in. Yeah. Um, I but, always pay anyway, but... Um, and, 
mainly out of guilt. Um, <laughs> and I don't know, because I do think that there's a sort of, uh, you know, they, there should be a sort of egalitarian sort of thing about about um, all of that. So they shouldn't be elitist. And maybe if you charge for it, it becomes that. I don't know. Um, but I, I maybe, maybe it's a different way of capping the numbers rather than through money. Yes, or opening opening longer. Yeah. I mean, uh, the yeah. trouble is people people are creatures of habit. I have observed, you know, particularly if they're staying in London, they have their breakfast around about sort of half past nine, they wander out, everybody turns up at exactly 10 o'clock and then by 5, 5.30 in the afternoon they're, they're tired, they just want to go back to their wherever they're staying and or, or indeed to Guildford if that's where they live. Yeah, exactly. And, um, yeah, well, okay. well, if you've got young kids, you might be happy to be out at eight. Yes, so. Yeah. Well, quite. Um, <laughs> yeah, anyway. Well, look, that, that's that's very enlightening, and um, thank you very much indeed for for uh, bringing us some encouragement, even if uh, um, those of us with slightly older children feel that they've kind of perhaps they're enjoying a holiday from culture and heritage. Fair we enough. shall see. Uh, so let's move on to our destination of the week. And I think this is another city that you're fond of, Stockholm in Sweden. I love Stockholm, yeah. Well, well right, okay. Uh, what, what, what is the cause of your adoration? Uh, well, I've, I've been there a few times. One of my old school friends um, is half Swedish, and so we've, I've been going there with her for a number of years. Um, and I just, I think it's, it's just sort of clean. I, Clean in to two, it just feels clean and airy. And um, Swedes are an amazing. I just think they're all very friendly and lovely. And um, it's they can afford to be. Well, yeah, that's true. Um, it's beautiful. Yes, obviously the massive downside is that uh, it can be very expensive. Um, but and also I love the fact that you can just jump on a on a boat and go to the archipelago and. Uh, and a very, very good value to reach as well with um, all kinds of uh, uh, cheap deals going on. Um, just watch out for the taxis, by the way. I don't know if you ever got any, did you? Um, the taxis, it's the weirdest thing in the world. In every other city, possibly apart from Kinshasa, not being lucky enough to go there, um, every other city, there is a regulation where it says you can charge five euros a mile or whatever it is yeah. in sweden they just say as long as you put on the side of your cab how much you you charge you can charge anything you want to wow. and of course you're a foreigner you've got no idea what you know, 27 uh, uh swedish kroner per meter is going to work <laughs> yeah. out as and and it's very easy to get stung but there we are um another issue where it's very easy to get stung e-visas lots and lots of countries are being bringing these in sometimes it's an advantage if it's uh, for instance india or russia bringing in an e-visa because they are saying we're going to make life a little bit easier for you that's great new zealand going the opposite direction we don't need e-visas at the moment we will need them and you'll also have to pay your international visitor conservation and tourism levy that actually came into effect on the 1st of July, the uh, NZETA, as we must call it, comes into effect on the 1st of October. Now, that is supposed to cost nine Australian dollars. Uh, Australia, oh crikey, oh no, I'm now going to be sacked from, <laughs> banned from oh, no. New Zealand. Uh, nine New Zealand dollars, which are clearly superior, um, or five pounds, that's if you go on the app. But if you go onto the website, it's going to cost you 12 New Zealand dollars. That's about six pounds. And... Um, uh, unfortunately, whenever, if you just search online for uh, e, e visa New Zealand or 
NZETA or whatever, the first thing that happens is it comes up with lots and lots of sites which are paid uh, searches by agencies. And the idea is that you go onto those. It looks um, really quite like an official site. You end up paying three times the official rate for it. So do watch out for that. Only go for the official one if they want to charge you more than 12 New Zealand dollars, you're in the wrong place. Finally, bargain of the week, something cultural from me as well. First weekend of the month, always a good time to be in Paris. You can miss the 15 euro charge at the Louvre to see the Mona Lisa on Saturdays between six and of course 10. And on the first Sunday of every month, the Musée d'Orsay with that wonderful Vincent van Gogh self-portrait is free. And the Pompidou Centre, also worth a free visit. Do you, uh, do you go for this? You sound as though you are very, very ethical cultural tourists because I, I, anything I can do to, yeah, I take the view that they all get in free to uh, the National Gallery, so I'm going to do my utmost to get in free to the Pompidou, uh, to, to the um, Musée d'Orsay and the Louvre. Well, yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Maybe it's because it's in London, my hometown. That I feel like I should pay for the oh. benefit, but yeah, you're right. I probably would absolutely. Well, do that. Um, in a sense, we we all pay for it through our through our taxes. True, um, true. There we are. Um, now uh, that's all for now. We'll be back soon to help you plan your escape in the company of the adventurer Paul Goldstein from me, Simon Calder, and DKI Witness travel publisher John Georgina D. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>